Please stand for the reading of today's scripture lesson, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, thank you, Karen, for reading the word for us uh, this morning, and grace and peace to each of you in the name of Christ. It is so, so good to be in worship with each of you, and so grateful to Ellen Garrett and our children's ministry staff uh, for these Bibles this morning. Uh, Out of curiosity, how many of you, some of you who are uh, longtime Methodists, remember receiving a third grade Bible? Lift your hand, please. Many of you have, and we've found that to be throughout the day as well. We've given away so many this morning uh, at the three services, and we're grateful to all of you. Jonathan, thank you for leading us as well. Uh, Sherry and I are very, very privileged to have uh, not only her folks, but my mother also is sitting here with our in-laws, and my mother and mother-in-law are sitting together, which is a prayer concern. Um, (laughs) No, is a praise, and we're so grateful Uh, to see them together and to be with them this weekend for a few hours. It means a great deal always for us to have family with us and and certainly today as well. I'm grateful to Mary Prestigard. She is a gem. She is a jewel of a person. And for her willingness to share her testimony by video. And uh, Mary, if you're watching, uh, we love you. We miss you. I expect you're with your boyfriend watching worship. I hope you are today. Uh, her, her friend is Gabe Sleenhoff, who uh, is one of our own. And uh, we're just very, very grateful for Mary and, and for her witness as well. So we're continuing our series that we started last week entitled Call Together. And Jonathan, thank you for sharing some information before we get to the text. I want to just remind you that October the 15th is our Commitment Sunday, uh, and we are asking you to prayerfully consider, as Jonathan mentioned, a three-year commitment to this threefold priority that we're working on in our capital campaign. I also wanted to remind you where we are with the advance giving from 57 of our families. Uh, Next slide. We have received almost $8 million towards what we hope will be $18 million uh, in the final analysis. And also to let you know that when we hit $10 million, uh, we have a gracious donor who has said that he would give uh, for every million after $10 million up to $3 million, he will match that. So if we raise $13, uh, we will have $16 million. And we're grateful, so grateful to him. Please go to the website and look for more information. As Jonathan mentioned, the walkthrough video tour is extremely uh, helpful from Neil Henson. Uh, my wife was saying yesterday, it's kind of like the, the old Where's Waldo thing? Where's Neil? And he'll be at different points in the building and you'll get explanation uh, for what is happening. 
We started last week with that unusual text from Genesis 50 where Joseph is requesting when he's on his deathbed that his brothers carry his bones uh, when they leave Egypt into the promised land, which is a metaphorical way of saying, I want the spiritual DNA of our past to be a part of the future as well, called together. In the next few weeks, we're going to think together as a congregation about the specifics of what we as a faith community are called of God to do. And I want to begin with the idea that first and foremost, as a body of believers, we are called to worship and to praise. Walter Brueggemann, great Old Testament professor who for many years was at Columbia uh, in Decatur, Georgia, once said, worship is an act of sanity in a world on the edge of insanity, whereby we are reclothed in our right minds. I love that, reclothed in our right minds. When you think about it, it's no accident that the book of Psalms is right smack dab in the middle, in the center of our Bibles. In fact, its location there, its placement there, is indicative of the fact that the primary purpose of our existence is praise. This is one place, I think, where our Presbyterian friends got it right. In the shorter catechism of the Westminster Confession, the question is asked, what is the chief end of humanity? And they answer by saying, the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. That's our native language. That's our native tongue praise. Now, I know that I'm a lamenter like you are too. There's much to complain about in this world. And in fact, one third of the book of Psalms is made up of complaints, of laments. And it's like God gives us permission in moments of anger and anguish and grief to lament and say, why? In fact, Jesus himself on Good Friday quoted Psalm 22, why, Father, why have you forsaken me? But our instinct, the native tongue of a human being made in the image of God, is praise. In fact, praise is rooted in the creation itself. You see this in the creation poem in Genesis 1 where after each day or after each phase of creation that God affirms his own work. I love this. Day one, he looks at what he's done, it is good. Day two, it is good. Day three, four, five, good, good, good. And finally on day six, he scoops up a handful of Tennessee clay and breathes into it. He made you and he made me and he said, this is my best. It is very good. This is my masterpiece. It's interesting to me that when you look at Psalm 8, which is a creation song, the psalmist there is reflecting on day six when God made man, woman in God's own image. And he asked the question, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou dost care for them. And then he answers his own question. 
you have made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. It's praise. I was walking at Radnor the other day. I don't know, I don't know that I've mentioned Radnor to you before, but I was walking through and I have seen so many creatures out at Radnor. About a week ago, I was introduced to a rattler, a rattlesnake on the road. Usually I'm looking at my notes and not paying any attention, but he was a gentleman and his praise was the rattle and I was grateful for that praise. I saw him and sidestepped him. Others decided to turn around and go the opposite way. I've seen deer, I've seen I've seen turtles, more turtles on a log than I thought could get on there. I call it turtle church. I've seen armadillos. I've seen all of God's creation. But the other day, I passed by a mother who was sort of wearing her seven-week-old child. You know how it is, in that bundle. And I stopped her, and I had to, I had to look. Seven-week-old baby girl, her first, she was just introducing that child to Radnor. And all I could do was look at that child and say, it is very good. <laughs> I've never seen anything more beautiful. Praise. The book of Psalms is chocked full of praise. In fact, the word psalm in the Hebrew, tehillim, means plural, praises. And we often refer to, rightly so, the book of Psalms as the Hebrew hymn book. And it contains 150 songs that were composed and put to music for the purpose of worship. I don't know if you know it, but right outside in the narthex, there's a prayer station as you go on the left where Casey Orr has placed a hymn book and asked for you to find your favorite hymn and write your name on that page. And we're doing that. And as soon as we finish this campaign, we're going to take those hymns that have the most names on it, and next year we're going to do a series on these hymns, and we're going to sing them too. Praise. The last five chapters in the book of Psalms, this is chapters 146 through 150, are traditionally called the Hallelujah Psalms. And that's interesting. The word Hallel, that you see, the root of that word means praise. But the suffix, Yah, J-A-H, or Y-A-H, is an abbreviation for the name of Yahweh. It literally means praise God. When you look more closely at Psalm 150, which is the final chapter in the Hallelujah Psalms, there are three prepositions that I think are pivotal to the meaning in this text. The preposition in, for, and with. I want to talk briefly about those words. Verse 1. We are called to praise God in the sanctuary. That word sanctuary in Hebrew, you know what it means? It means a place of refuge. It means safe place, safe haven. It means holy place. And I don't know about you, but I give thanks for this holy place. We need space that is set aside to pray, to praise, to proclaim, to fellowship, where we're not only surrounded by the symbols of faith, but where we're surrounded by the people 
of faith. One of the blessings that happened during COVID when we were restricted from the place was the creation of online worship. Every week, I remember that first week, the first Easter of 2020, that we were shocked when we saw that 38,000 people actually worshiped with us online. Today, we have nearly 1,200 each week who join us online. And in the midst of that crisis, we've been able to expand our praise. We've been able to expand our witness and worship beyond geography. As Mary's testimony shared, she's watching from New York. Casey Orr shared with me an email this week from an online worshiper who is north of us. And she shared this email with me and I wanna share it with you. I live in Pennsylvania and watch every Sunday. I came across you by chance, although I really believe the Lord led me to you. I'm an older woman who lives alone with my dog and bird. I discovered in my correspondence with her, her name is Joyce, that her dog is a pit bull. This is a tough woman. I found the Sunday services are just what I need. In addition, sometimes I find the need to have a personal contact with you folks, and I wasn't quite sure who to contact. And for some reason, Casey, she's writing Casey, you felt right. If it's possible, I'd like to have some of the information that you distribute to the congregation. Perhaps this is not plausible, and so if it's not, I'm sorry for the request. But one of the main reasons for this email is to establish a relationship with someone in the church. I don't know what the church plan is for such a thing, and I hope you can give me some guidance. Sincerely yours, Joyce. Well, I wanna say to her personally, if you don't mind for just a moment, Joyce, I want you to know that you are part of the church plan. You matter to us. Even when you're not in the sanctuary, you are part of the fellowship of praise. And we're so grateful that we can be with you even in holy cyber space. What a gift. It's also interesting in verse one that this call to worship is not restricted to the place. To worship God is not restricted to to brick and mortar. In fact, it says, praise praise God in what? The mighty firmament. What on earth is a firmament? The sky, the heavens, the universe, the cosmos, the, the wide blue yonder. And that text implies that all space is holy. All space, because all creation is the handiwork of God. And so wherever God is, it's holy. That's what Jesus meant when he said to his friends, look, where two or more of you are gathered, that space is holy. And I'm with you. I think of another psalm, how about 139? where the psalmist is contemplating for a moment the omnipresence of God. Where can I go from your spirit? 
Whither can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far shore of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. We praise God in every space. And then note the preposition for, F-O-R. Verse 2, praise him for, what? His mighty deeds. And for his, what? Surpassing greatness. In other words, God's character and actions motivate our praise. Mighty deeds include not only God's creation, but God's saving work in Jesus. And verse 2 speaks of our need to recall the blessings of God. Not to for, I've forgotten more that God has done for me than I remember. We're called to count our blessings. It was Fred Beekner who said, look, we learn to praise God not by paying compliments, but by paying attention to the blessings that are right in front of me and in the person who's right beside me. Psalm 103 helps us at this point. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And then he names the benefits. God forgives all our iniquities. God heals our diseases. God redeems our lives from the pit. God crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. God satisfies us with good as long as we live so that our youth might be renewed like eagle's wings. By the way, if you didn't know, Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, that is the epicenter of the Holy Bible. There are exactly 1,550 verses prior to that and 1,550 after. Do you think God's trying to tell us something? The epicenter of our theology is praise. You're going to hear, and this is one time, that I will invite you to remain seated after the benediction because you're going to hear one of our students, a sixth grader. His name is Parker Bowman. He is a student of our own Dr. Greg Bunn. He's 11 years old. And after the benediction, he's going to praise God from the organ bench, which leads me to the last preposition, with. Oh, I love this. Choir, you should love this. Orchestra loves this. Praise God with trumpet sound. That is the shofar, the ram's horn. Play, praise God with lute and harp, tambourine, and, well, not much dance, but strings and pipe and cymbals. Karen, it even says loud crashing cymbals. And what you see when you read that text is, do you realize how much of worship is just music? I, I, some of you wish we had more music than, than talking, I think. Look at your bulletin, the prelude, the introit, the hymns, the gloria, the anthem, the offertory, the doxology, the choral benediction, the postlude. There's a reason that Beethoven said, 
the vibrations on the air are the breath of God speaking to the human soul. Music is the language of God. We musicians are as close to God as humans can be. We hear his voice, read his lips, give birth to the children of God who sing his praise. That's what musicians do. Now listen, as disciples in the Wesleyan tradition, we ought to get this. Charles Wesley wrote 6,500 hymns, some of which are in your hymn book, but you don't have to have perfect pitch to join in the praise. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, worship the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. I heard about a choir director in a church in Franklin who was trying to exit a choir member. He couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. She was unsuccessful, so she did what any choir director would have done. She consulted the pastor. Pastor invited the man to his office, tried to help him find another ministry, but the man said, the choir can't live without me. To which the pastor said, can I be honest? There are several in the choir who say you cannot sing. Oh, said the man, I wouldn't worry about that. Half the choir says you can't preach. <laughs> but I don't see you leaving the chancel. Make a joyful noise. Mr. Wesley left us instructions for congregational singing. It's in the hymn book, don't look at it. He had seven rules. My favorite is number four. Here it is, listen to this. I want you to sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you're half dead or half asleep. Lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sang Rocky Top. That's a loose translation, but you get the point. I'm talking about our native language. Augustine said singing is like praying twice. Now, my favorite part of worship, I have two, if you didn't know, and the sermon is not one of them. I have two favorite parts. One is the passing of the peace. At the beginning of the service, the faithful hugging a neck, sharing a handshake, just loving on each other. But my favorite part of worship is the doxology. When Greg Bunn pulls out all the stops on the bench, hint, hint, and the music crescendos, triple forte. And we stand to our feet and we lift up our offering before the altar and we sing praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all creatures here below. Praise God the source of all our gifts. Praise Jesus Christ whose power uplifts. Praise the Spirit, Holy Spirit, Alle. Hallelujah. And when he plays and when you sing, for a moment, it's like Psalm 150 is fulfilled. For just a moment, it's like everything that has breath becomes fluent 
in the language of praise. Praise has the power to realign my spirit with God's spirit and your soul with God's spirit. Last word. When we were in Atlanta, I, I got to sing as a young adult uh, with the Candler Coraliers with Robert Shaw, who I consider to be maybe the finest choral conductor of the 20th century. We were afraid of him. They scared us to death. His standard was so high, you didn't come in late to a rehearsal. If you did, you'd never forget it. And we wouldn't either. He loved music. He could find music in anybody and he could pull it out of everybody. And one day he explained his calling. This is what he said. Praise and worship is not about skill. It's about passion. It's about the mental, ethical, and spiritual maturity of humanity. And in a time, he said, when religious and political institutions may lose their visions of human dignity, we are the custodians of God's values which most worthily define humanity and most sensitive, sensitively discern divinity and may, he said, in fact, be the only workable program of transformation for the human race. What he's saying was what Psalm 22 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. He lives in our praise. This is why Hebrews concludes with these words. Hebrews 13, 15, through Christ Jesus then, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. That's your calling. That's my reason for being for existing. And when we do it together, we become a temple, a sanctuary, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, because this is our spiritual worship, the language of praise. May it be so, in Jesus' name, amen.